Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Talk Junkies, where tonight's going to be a very interesting night, as it is each and every single week here at Talk Junkies. Um, if you're interested in, in Crow 777, we did have him on last week. <clears throat> Caleb came on the show as well to, to, to join me. There's a lot of uh, good conversation that I had with Crow. Crow's a very interesting guy. He has a lot to offer, and uh, I think I did a, dis a disservice to Crow because all we talked about was just things that were dismal, um, corporate oligarchy, just... The, the current situation of what it is to be in America and in this world in general, I think I could have gotten a little bit different stuff out of Crow that wasn't so negative and maybe more on the positive side. So I'll work on that next time if, if, if he comes on again. But in light of that, talking about that, I think tonight we, we really need to dis discuss and dive deep down into what is the Constitution. And also, I think we'll also, also get into um, maybe why we should all take a break from politics because the, the train that we're on, and again, like Crow said last week, the train that we're on, oh man, it's that train's not going to derail. And if it does, I don't know if it'll happen in our lifetime. But either way, no other guests to bring on to talk about the Constitution than Dan. Dan, what's up, brother? Hey, it's great to be back. Love coming and seeing what you guys are up to. <laughs> Definitely, man. I, I have these mason jars in my house. You know, I put like fruit and stuff in it. And uh -huh. I was like, why would I never just drink water out of it? It's beautiful. Uh -huh. I've never done it before. But, dude, it's just a big glass, and it's just a lot of water fits in there. I'm all about it. That's what my aunts and uncles always had. Really? Mason jars, yep. That's yep. what they, that's what they drink out of? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's they what it's at. They had a bunch of them around for canning and stuff. And so, you know, they just used them for glasses as well. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing, man. Um, before we get into the Constitution, just real quick um, – and, and having Crow on last week, again, we kind of talked about, and, and same with Caleb. Caleb, you know, talks with the Amish, is involved with the Amish people here in Kansas City and Mennonites and stuff like that. I really, next year, I really want to strive for um, getting a good garden going, you know, and trying to live off the land that's uh, offered to me. I have an acre. And just being more involved in that, you know. I mean, I think that that could take your mind away from politics just – because I know it requires a lot of time and effort to do those types of things, but those are things that are lost within Western society. You know, you're, you're expected to rely on grocery stores and rely on convenience stores that are just lined up and down for miles and miles and miles in these populated cities. I think everyone needs to get in tune and, and be able to do those types of things. Definitely. And it's, and it's real therapeutic too. I mean, I, I don't have a garden right now, but I've had gardens before vegetable gardens and herb gardens and stuff. And there's a lot, you know, there's having that, that, that those plants that you're responsible for and you got to take care of, you know, there's, there is something really, really rewarding out of that as you know, it, it's not something that I could really explain, but once you start doing it, you know, and you take care of this thing from a seed up into a plant and you get to see the progress that it goes through and, and the different things that it provides you and how you have to protect it from from you know weeds and bugs and stuff like that <clears throat> it can be a it can be a great experience yeah and very rewarding because you know you you get so much cool stuff out of it very true yeah and again we have an acre so that it's, it's limitless on what we could do but even further furthering that though I, I had a guy named tim james on about a month ago or so or two months ago and he even breaks it down to the point of you have to make sure you have um, good soil and whenever you get these seeds those seeds had to have grown in good soil because if they were in, if they were grown in pesticide type of environment, heavy chemicals, you know, sprayed all the time and you get those seeds, those are, that's what you're going to get. You know what I'm saying? Kind of, I mean, he breaks it down way better than what I just did, but 
but it, it well, even goes that far. That, that reliance on those pesticides, heavy pesticides, weakens, you know, it weakens the plant, but it also makes it so that that plant has, has a much more difficult time. A lot of those, those things, the, the pesticides and the herbicides, they don't kill the plants that they get sprayed on, but they have detrimental effects to them. Like the glyphosate or glyphosate um, prevents the nutrients from being sucked up into the plant. So it'll have fruit, right? But since it's in the soil, it'll, it'll prevent that, that plant from sucking up the nutrients that it needs to grow and also to have fruit on there that's got its full nutritional value. Exactly. That's, that's kind of how he described it. And that's the thing is like a lot of these foods that we're consuming at the grocery store um, that are fruits and vegetables that you're not even getting the full amount of nutrition that, that, it, that, has to, that it has to offer. And I think that's one of the most frustrating things for me is finding someone out here with some good seed, um, getting some good soil here in, in my backyard and eating those types of good foods. And, and I'm curious on if I'll feel different, if what type of effect it'll have on my body, which I, it may not be much or, but getting more nutrition or nutrients than you wouldn't otherwise, then, you know, it's a win-win. It makes a huge, it really makes a huge difference. You know, when you, when you're eating the foods that directly have the nutrients and you're not trying to supplement with vitamins and stuff, when you're getting it straight from the, from the plant, because it's already, it's bioavailable. I don't know if that's really a word, but that's what they use in the, you know, in the nutrition industry and stuff is, you know, you have these nutrients in there that are bioavailable. They've been broken down or, or manufactured by these plants. And so they, they are readily available to your body. Your body is ready to absorb them. Whereas when it's, when it's manufactured and put into a vitamin form, sometimes it's not even a, it's not extracted from a plant. It's just made in a, in a, uh, um, in a laboratory. Yeah. Synthetic. Yeah. And so, you know, even stuff like vitamin C, the vitamin C tablets, you can take those vitamin C tablets, but the amount of it that, that you know, your body is able to actually readily and easily absorb is much lower than, than when you get it from natural fruits and vegetables. Yeah. So that, that's, I'm going to work on that, man. It's going to be exciting. Uh, I got to make a commitment and do it. Uh, it's just all it comes down to. But anyways, let's get in. Well, hold, hold on. Before we get off of that, let me tell you, let me tell you something that you should check into and recommend this to, to anybody who watches the video. There's a, a movie that you can watch on YouTube it's called Back to Eden. And this Back to Eden movie, there's a there's a gentleman in there who goes through and explains this this um, process for for growing a garden that is that is minimally intrusive on your soil. You don't till your soil. You leave your soil intact because it has a whole lot of whole lot of, of uh, it's 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 got its own ecosystem already in there that is perfect for the plants and, and you, you just put down a, a bed of, of, um, um, Topsoil. mulch and, and, and wood chips on top of the soil. And then you plant your plants in that and it grows straight down through into the soil. Okay. Yep. So that, you know, that would make the, the, the getting a garden in your backyard and everything a whole lot more easy because, all you got to do is spread some mulch out, you know, spread it over a certain area. And, and then you don't have to go through and till and do all this stuff. Because once you till that land, it's going to take it a long time to settle back out into something that's not going to be a muddy mess. Right. 
you know, but if you, if you get into doing the garden and then you decide after, you know, after a year of doing it, that you never want to do it again, all you got to do is rake up that other stuff right. and the grass will grow back. <clears throat> yeah. No, I, I want to do it every year until I can't do it anymore, man. Yeah. You know, that's just, that's just how I feel. Cause once I get in a groove, it's just going to be that way. But yeah, let's hit it off, dude. Let's get into it. Um, so it, the, the state of, of whatever you want to call this, I mean, we've had many topics and discussions here with you on the show, Dan, and it's, it's been wonderful. It's been great, man. But I, I don't think that there's any denying that the state of America is in decay when it comes to our government. Right. And, and, and not that I want to go down that road, but for me, I guess my question is, why is there a constitution if it doesn't apply to the government? Okay, this is this is the 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 thing that that trips up so many people about about the constitution and what makes so many people um like we we're talking about uh go from a red pill to a black pill and really look out and and their outlook on everything it just seems suddenly goes into darkness and hopelessness. Um, the thing to understand about the Constitution is the Constitution was written because the government will never follow it. They will never follow any rules. Right. And it was written down so that you and I would be able to sit there and read that and say, no, you can't do that. And it's unfortunate that we've gotten to the point where there's so few people who are willing to stop and stand up and say, no, that's not OK. You're not going to do that. Because in the end, um, you know, the government has a tremendous number of, of people in it, and it does a whole lot of, of abusive things. But in the end, most of your interactions are going to be a one-on-one thing. And when you really break it down for people and you tell them what you're doing is illegal, you know, there's no argument about that. Like, uh, you know, the court system. If, if we were able just to get the court system back aligned with the Constitution, just that one thing, then the executive and legislative branches would have to fall in line. Because what we've got is we have a court system that does not operate constitutionally. It operates under foreign authority. And that foreign authority is it it gets all of its marching orders about how everything's supposed to function, not from the Constitution, but mainly from English common law. And the thing about English common law is when, you know, they had, they had this, this monarch there in, in England. I can't remember which one it was, but they had a monarchy in England and he was an absolute monarch. They had this, this revolution thing where parliament, you know, he had to cede some power to parliament. Well, in order to, to, to make sure that, that they didn't really get their power, he said, okay. And he kept control of the courts. He was the one who appointed all the judges to the courts. And he would tell the judges, okay, this this law that they've just passed needs to be changed and undermined. So that's where they developed this whole thing about case law, where the, the legislation and everything has to be interpreted by the courts in order to decide how it is that that's going to be some kind of a legal action. But that's for England. That's not for America. You know, I'm sure Crow was talking about case law. I mean, if you guys got on that, he he frequently talks about case law and court stuff. Right. Right. So case law is not legal in the United States. 
Now, it's a great it's a great tool to look at and understand how it is that they're undermining and destroying our Constitution. But the minute that you allow them to use it or that you choose to use it in a court system, you've opened the door for a whole bunch of illegal stuff that that sends us down the path that just gives the government more power because under the constitution, the government has very, very limited powers. And like the 10th amendment says specifically, those, those powers that are not expressly granted are denied. Right? So if I come in and I say, and I say to you, I say, you know, um, Paul, after you do your homework, you can have one Oreo cookie, right? And you decide that you're going to interpret that, that you can have two. It's like, no, I pretty much expressly said you could have one after you did your homework. And you didn't do your homework and you still had a cookie. So, you know, now we're going to have a problem. And that's where we've we've gotten out of line where, where our government has become the parent when we are the parents. You know, it's it's one of those situations where we've we've allowed them to, to keep encroaching, encroaching, encroaching on on our rights and taking more, more and more power that they don't have a legitimate um, they don't have. Constitution starts with we. Talked about this plenty of times. The Constitution is a contract between me and you. It's between. It's a contract between the people of the states, and the government is not a party to that contract. They are the subject of the contract, and they are subject to the contract. And that application of that contract applies to every single member of the government, from local all the way to federal. That's for elected officials. That's for employees. The minute that they become part of the government and try and exercise any kind of governmental authority, they are governed by, they are subject to and the subjects of the Constitution. So is anything. Go ahead. So in in a way, I'm kind of curious if the founding fathers, like obviously they, 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 they made this happen in such a beautiful document and, and how it applies and pertains to the people more or less though, for me, like whenever you look at just the past and you look at what it, all these different types of monarchies and all these dictatorships and all the, you know, social, whatever, whatever you want to call it, that's just inherent. We've talked about it. It's inherent in human beings that they want control and they want power. And the founding fathers had to have known this. So I guess maybe could they have thought that it, this would just be a good illusion for the people because the government will always be the government and there'll always be tyranny. Um, no, if you go back and you read the declaration of independence and the constitution, you'll see that they firmly believe that, that government was as Thomas Paine said, a necessary evil. And what they tried to do was make sure that both the necessity and the evil were kept to a minimum. So if you read what it is that the Constitution says the government can do, it is extremely limited. And at every point along the way, it's it's something that we can say no to. Like, um, for instance, I, I don't know, did you and Crow talk about um, income taxes or anything like that? 
Oh no, we didn't. He, that's we, one of his. That's one of his things, isn't it? I mean, he he does so much, man. I've no, I can't keep up. I mean, they do two podcasts a week, and they have guests on every time for the most part. <laughs> um, well, one of the one of the interesting things is that that if you if you um, delve into income tax, it is a complete scam, and it's a, it is a complete distraction. Okay, before we even start talking about the IRS and income tax and everything like that, if we go back and we look at how the government is is required what what requirements are placed upon the government for taxation if they want to tax me and you if the federal government wants to send you and i a tax bill then they don't get to do that directly like it's a direct tax that they get to place on the people but they have to go through the states in order to do that right so there's there's a a a a cascade effect all the representatives get up there and they say, okay, this is what we're, we're going to be um, needing money for. And they've got to list it all out. And then after they list it all out, they have to, they have to break it up into, into 50 pieces that they're going to send out to each one of the states. But those 50 pieces are not all going to be the same. Those 50 pieces are going to be based on the population in each state, right? But each person is going to pay the same amount, Right. So if the tax bill comes and the state legislature looks at it, they can go, yeah, we're not paying this. Or when the tax bill comes, you and I can sit there and look at it and go, whoa, what is this? I'm, I'm not paying that. And if enough people in the state say we're not paying that, guess what? The federal government's not getting their money. That's very true. So then we fast forward to income tax. That's the whole reason that we have income tax. Was because the federal government was having trouble being able to get money that it needed, or get money not that it needed, get money that it wanted to expend on things that were not constitutional. You know, especially for for warfare and stuff like that. You know, they wanted to they wanted to spend this money without having to be accountable for it. So, we got income tax. And we got the scam of income tax because income was defined long before the income tax amendment came along. Income is revenue minus expenses. Okay. Now you and I don't have any revenue because we're not businesses. Okay. We get compensated. So there's an equal exchange. So in the end, you don't have any income, right? You traded your time for money. Right. And you decided what what fair what a fair exchange was going to be. So you traded your time for your money. You were compensated. So you have no income. But let's just assume for a second that we're going to say, okay, which is what the, the IRS has done. They've defined compensation wages as income. Well, it can't be income. Right. Because that's just the money that you were paid. Your wages, your compensation is the money that you were paid. In order for it to be income, they got to subtract out all of your expenses. Right? That's how come IBM and Exxon and, and Walmart and all of those companies periodically end up being reported as paying zero taxes. Right? It's not just the loopholes in the system. It's the fact that they're actually doing their accounting. Right? But even so, if you look at if you look at 
um, what uh, a company like Walmart pays in income tax, right? Walmart, I can't remember which year this was, but Walmart, Walmart had a year where they made over $400 billion. $400 billion is what they made. Okay. For you and I, that would be counted as income. Guess how much they got taxed on. Guess what they reported their income to be and, and what they got taxed on. My guess would be zero. They got taxed on zero. Well, they do that some years, but in this particular year, they get, they brought in $400 billion and they were taxed on $1.4 billion. Okay. So that's less than 1% of, yes, that's less than 1% of the money that they brought in, their revenue, right? What we would, what would be called our income. Does that make sense? Yeah, they, I mean, we're, we're being sold, we're being sold two different things. You and I are being told that any, any amount of money that we get, any time that somebody hands you some money, that's income. It's like, no, it's not what Walmart does. It's not what IBM does. It's not what any of these other companies do. They report their true income, which is the money they take in minus the money they pay out. Whatever's left over is the income. And that's an accounting, that's an accounting formula, an accounting term that existed, obviously, well before anybody ever decided to do an income tax. You know, it was defined prior to that because, you know, the government is not good at anything and it's especially not good at coming up with, with things that are useful. So, you know, we had accountants who came up with all this stuff as a way to make sure that business owners would be able to know if they were actually going in the right direction. Yeah, does all that, that makes sense? No, it, it definitely does. For, yeah, for me, like I, I've always wondered about income tax, and I know some of it goes to Social Security, but even that's a, a Shackham or Medicare or Medicaid for people who are older and people who can't afford to have health insurance. I know a part of that is, well, I, I'm not entirely sure where all the that's fe- all separate. Yeah, that's all. That's all separate taxes. Your your FICA and and your Social Security and your your Medicare and your Medicaid, all of that is a separate tax, which is also illegal. Right. Those, those taxes are absolutely illegal. But if we just stick with income tax, right, the income tax is something that is 100% illegal in that it is a it is a, a taxation system that is outside of what the direct tax is. And on top of that, it's been it's been um, it's the the terms have been have been purposefully changed to lie to everyone about what income is. I think that's the biggest question. What is income? Because if they're telling you income is compensation, then they're wrong. Right. Well, if you look on it, if you look on your, your, uh, your W4, when you fill that out, um, or on your tax return, when you're, when you're getting ready to fill out your tax return, it'll tell you on there wages, tips, compensation, all those are income. You have to add them all together and put that on the gross income line. You know, so they lie to you from the very beginning. And the way that they get you with that is they tell you, they tell you all this lie stuff so that you fill out the numbers trying to be honest, right? And then at the very bottom, you sign it. 
And the minute that you sign it, if you come back and say, well, that's not really my income, they got you for perjury because it's a, it's a legal document. Right. So you'd have to like go to your employer and say, Hey, I need to rip up my W4. <laughs> or just tell them that you're, or just tell them that, that you're exempt from withholding. That's what I tell them. I'm exempt from withholding. But then don't you have that? I did not owe any income tax last year. So, but, so maybe the, the, a lot of people are starting to do that. And that's why you have all these IRS agents getting hired, you know? It could be. But the thing is, is that the IRS agents are, are you know, they're ignorant buffoons. They don't know anything except what they're told, you know, and they don't bother to look into it any, any further than, you know, the handbook that they're handed it by their employer. They don't know anything, you know, so now we've put a gun in the hands of these ignorant morons who are running around trying to enforce something that is illegal, that is a lie, you know, and, if you've ever dealt with, if you've ever dealt with a police officer on the side of the road, you know how well that goes with, right. you know, that moron sitting there telling you all the stuff and you're like, yeah, that that's just not going to fly, buddy. Well, that's so that going back to my original question, Dan, we've got into this for at least 15 minutes now, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How, uh-huh. how has, I just, I don't know. I think I've asked you this before, but how has, has the greed of man taken over such a beautiful document and just literally just shit on it, man. Like, look, look at where we're at. Look what you just described. All those things that are illegal, all these things that are illegal happening to everyday working hard, middle-class people. And even whoever, whoever's working hard, right? The constitution in a, in a way, the people have failed the constitution. I don't necessarily, you can't blame it on the constitution because we, the people aren't doing shit about it. Right. Well, the thing, the, you have to look at it, um, or the way that I look at it, and this is this is something that's taken me a while because you know I went through a black pill phase where it was you know just dismal and hopeless and everything, and I started really looking around and paying attention to the fact that most people want to be left alone, and that's the whole that's the whole purpose of the of the Constitution is to just get us to the point where the government will leave you alone, but there's a problem with that in that. In that in order to be left alone and left to do what you want to do, you have to take responsibility for making sure that the government knows that they have to leave you alone. And that that is that is where each one of us has to sit there and say, okay, you know, this situation doesn't really apply to me, but it's affecting my neighbor. So I've got to do something about it. And you know, we really have got to, to, to get to that point where, where people are looking at the constitution and saying, okay, you know what? Um, I'm sorry there, Mr. Police officer, but, uh, you're bothering my neighbor. You came over here and you don't have a warrant and I'm not sure why it is you're here, but, um, you're going to have to leave, you know? And the, the thing, the, the, the unfortunate thing is that, law-abiding citizens, people who, who want to just live their lives and do their, their thing and, 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 um, care for their family and, and do their job generally don't want to go in that. As soon as they see the, the police come and they assume that someone has done something wrong, you know, so the only people who are actually standing up to this are the people who are criminals, right? So unfortunately, <clears throat> all right. 
Agreed. And I think like, I mean, we've talked about it before and you made a good point that, that political parties aren't really even necessary within the constitution. And that's what they've created, man. It's this, it's this overarching, overwhelming political machine that is, it never runs out of, uh, out of oil, man. It's just so well, it's so well organized on how they've created this, this, this type of system that cannot be touched. It cannot, you cannot infiltrate it. People are brainwashed to the point whether they're far right or far left. Like I can't even, at first I couldn't have conversations with people who were far left. Right. And now I'm starting to get it to the point where I can't even have conversations with people on the far right because it's just all the same shit, man. All these Trumps, all the Trump, all of the Trump lovers, man. Like, I mean, just do your, I don't even want to go down that road, but again, it's just, it's all the same shit. They're all making money. They're all walking out millionaire, millionaires, billionaires, and they're fucking us over, man. And there's, and it's just, it's frustrating. It, it truly is. And I think that that's maybe where we need to get to is that we don't need political parties. And, and, and not only that, there, there needs to be a limit of money that you can make. And I know that's not very capitalistic, right? But I guess if you're going to be in office and you're going to be doing those types of things where you govern people, which should be limited, like you like you say, within the Constitution on, on how they govern the people, they're, they're, we need to start with those types, those two things. You know, they're, 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 there doesn't need to be any political parties because look what that has done to America. Look at the state that it has put us in right now with everyone on each other's necks, everyone going against each other. You can't have a conversation with each other. Mm-hmm. That that has created it's a parasite, man. That is can- that is cancer. That is the definition of cancer. Is what is politics? Truly is right. the right and left. It's it's insane. And the the political parties they they are, you know, they pretend to fight back and forth. You know, they definitely want to fight for for control. But the most important thing to them is that they keep the fight between themselves. That they don't ever allow us to get into that fight. So you see things, you know, um, the the election in 2020, right? The election in 2020 had some had some some definite um, fraud going on in it, but it was nothing new. It's it's been going on for a long time because the political parties are the ones who control the election commissions. I don't know. I I may have mentioned this to you before, but but um, back in uh, 1998, I believe it was, I ran for mayor of Charleston, South Carolina. Now I was not rep. I was not part of any political party. I wrote, I ran as an independent and a writing candidate. Well, when they counted all the votes, they said a hundred percent of the votes have been counted and there was not a single vote for me. Now, you know, people can giggle and laugh about that. Yeah. What do you expect? Well, guess what? I voted for me. I wrote my vote in. Where did that go? You know, and how many other people wrote in somebody? Not me. Not, not, maybe they didn't vote for me. Maybe they voted for Mickey Mouse. Right. Maybe they voted for, for these other things. And, and, you know, here's the thing is it, is it, you have to take this whole thing all the way down. If they're going to say that 100% of the votes were, were, you know, for these, one of these two candidates, right? And so it, it ends up being, you know, 74, you know, 70% and 30%, right? And they didn't count any of the write-in candidates. Well, what if, what if no other candidate got enough votes, but what if all the write-in candidates, all the write-ins got counted up and suddenly you find out that neither one of the political party candidates 
got 50%, right? Now we're in a different situation. See, when they eliminate those other votes, when they just throw all that stuff out, now they're basically saying that, that your vote does not count and that they will decide who it is that's going to be in office. They've already handpicked who it's gonna, who's, who's going to be in office or who's going to be on the ballot. I mean, we had that thing in, in, uh, in South Carolina with uh, Nancy Mace, who's a, an absolute joke. Um, Nancy Mace wasn't even supposed to be on the ballot, but she was handpicked by the Republican Party to be on the ballot. And, you know, they, they basically got rid of the other candidates who were supposed to be in there, who had plenty of support, but for some reason, you know, when it came time to, to uh, count the primaries, they didn't. Because the thing was is that this is something that they educated me about too, is that, is that it really doesn't matter as far as the political parties are concerned. It doesn't matter what the votes say at the ballot box. The, the only members of the party, only members of the party actually get to vote for who's going to be representing the party. And, and, each, sense? and each state? That's in South Carolina. I don't know how it, how it runs in every other state. Well, you, you have primaries, right, though? I mean, people vote in for primaries. Right. But, but if you're but, not a registered Republican, if you're not a registered Republican, your vote doesn't count in their primary. Right. So if we go to the polls... And supposedly these polls are some kind of election, but it's not. You know, it's not an official thing. This is a this is a Republican or a Democrat party um, function. Yeah. So if you're not officially a member of one of those parties, you don't get to vote. Really and truly, they don't even have to count your vote. Yeah, I got an independent vote for the local elections. I, I just I said, hey, I don't want to vote for either. And then I got a, a ballot and it had one question on it. That was it. And it was, right. it was about a tax, some sort of tax increase in, in my in my city. And I was like, so just because I'm an independent, I don't get to vote for anyone else. Like, I don't have a say in what's going on. Like, that's crazy. Like, yep. I don't think within the Constitution, again, like you said, the political parties were never. It, so was and this is probably a stupid question, but was George Washington either a Republican or Democrat? Um. Well, they didn't have Democrats and Republicans back then. They had um, Whigs, W-H-I-G was one of the parties, and I can't remember what the other what the other party was. So they had parties, though. They had parties. I don't think George Washington was a member of, of any political party, but I, I'm not positive about that. Right. But I know that he, that he, in one of, in his, I think it was in his farewell address or one of his State of the Union addresses, I'm pretty sure it was in his farewell address. He said, you know, beware of political parties. I'm paraphrasing. That's not, you know, right. a direct quote. But he, you know, he was like, he's like, people get to the, basically what he said is people just pick a side, you know, and they, they, they lose the issues. They lose what's important. And it all becomes about who's going to win. Right. So like, you know, your favorite football team and my favorite football team are playing and there's a penalty that happens that allows y'all to win the game, right? Mm -hmm. And you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't care. We won, right? Like, yeah, you didn't really win because that was that was an obvious penalty. Yeah, I don't care. They didn't call it, so it does matter, right? That's what ends up happening with these political parties. People, the things that are, that are important 
end up kind of getting swept under the rug because it, it becomes, it be, becomes more about winning and losing. Yeah. You know, you guys, you guys lost. So how do you have, how do you have an America without political parties? What does that look like? How do you, how do you run elections without having political parties? What, what would that be like? Um, well, if we didn't have political parties, the first thing would be that your politicians would not be able to run on an agenda and they wouldn't be able to make promises because everything that they can do is already defined in the Constitution. So we would end up having to say, okay, Paul, I'm going to vote for you because I know what the job entails and I know that you can do it. So that's why I'm voting for you. It comes down for the best qualified person for the job. And the interesting thing about it is that when it breaks out like that, you know, when you're when you're voting on it as far as the, the person who's best for the job, it's not a job that anybody really wants because it's time taken away from your family. It's time taken away from your business. And that was one of the things that they really. As far as as far as getting rid of the political parties, that was something that the that the authors of the Constitution really were focused on was the fact that that serving in the government would not be uh, it would be more of a burden. You know, they weren't they weren't trying to to make it into a burden, but their their idea was this is really going to be kind of a burden and nobody's going to really want to do it. So, you know, people are going to are, are going to be picking people who would rather stay home. Right. But we're asking you to serve. We're asking you to actually go and serve. And, you know, like um, um, Congress was never intended to be in session year round. Never. Matter of fact, originally Congress um, came in at the very beginning of December. That's when their session started was the beginning of December. And it started at the beginning of December because everybody would want to be home for Christmas. Mm -hmm. Get your business done and go home. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was the whole that was the whole deal right there. But now it's turned into this year-round thing because all these politicians with their political party agendas, you know, are are ready to dole out money that's not theirs and that they have no authority to spend. Right on on particular people and particular industries to buy votes to get them back into office so how would you, i know there's there's a lot of movements going on within within trying to reestablish what it is the constitution um i, I forget temple had a, a guest on his show I, I believe it was temple i can't i can't recall i can't i can't recall it may not have been him but it, but anyways there, there's these gentlemen trying to start a movement you know and you have to get like two thirds of the states to, to convene, to have a convention between states. Yeah. That's a, that's a horrible idea. That is an absolute, I, well, no, I have, well, no, he's, I am so opposed to a convention of states. Well, he, he was, he was saying it wasn't going to change anything. It was just to get our voices heard. The people's voices heard on things that we want done as the people. I mean, well, I may be, I may be wording it wrong. I, I could be, if, if you know what you, you may be talking about something. We may be talking about two different things. I'll, I'll, I'll say because, because he may be talking about just getting people together to, to, you know, have their voice. If that's what he's talking about, then that's something different than a convention of States. The convention of States basically would be the power to rewrite something in the constitution. 
And that is a horrible idea because uh, I uh, honestly, I've yet to meet anybody who's actually really read the Constitution. Right. My entire life, I've really never met a single person who has actually read the Constitution. You know, and and it's even after it's even after I, I'll talk to them and explain certain things to them. You know, they'll go and, and read a little blurb that, you know, or some case law or something like that and go, oh, this is what this means. And it's like, no, you have to read it for yourself before you go and let someone else tell you what it says. So, I mean, even when I'm telling you what it says, my, I'm not I'm not saying this is OK. Dan says this is the way that the that the Constitution is and that's it. And if you argue with me, you're wrong. That's not that's that's not it. You know, I'm telling you what what I have read and what I've studied on it, and and this is what I've come up with. And and if more people were to read it, we could have we could have an intelligent debate about it and and get things fine tuned so that everybody could be on the same page. I mean, you could read you you could sit down and and read the Constitution and have a good understanding of it in less than a week. It's that it's it's that small, you know, but just sitting there and taking it and reading it a little bit at a time and and kind of kind of putting the pieces together and going, OK, so this is the way that this works and this is the way that this works, you know, and this is how these all work together. You know, it's a great example, a great example of of a, a tremendous misunderstanding of the Constitution is the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment is is not about us having arms to prevent tyranny, blah, 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 so we can stop the government. You know, that's just ridiculous nonsense. What the Second Amendment is there for specifically, and it says it in the Second Amendment, is there for the militia. The militia is there to keep the government under control. And because we don't have the militia, the government continues to overstep its bounds. The U.S. Army is illegal. Our government was never supposed to have control of a standing army because a standing army is always something that a government will will find some way to use. The Navy is completely legal. You know, it's within the Constitution. You know, but not the Army because... The militia is supposed to be there, and that is where the army is drawn from if we have any reason to go to war. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, 100% that makes sense. And but I, see, the thing is, is that, is that the, discussion, the, the discussion has gone so far down this other path on the Second Amendment that, you know, you can't even begin to have a discussion with, with people about it. I basically have to start the discussion with them going, okay, that, you're wrong. You know, it just has to be just that blunt. Nope, you're wrong. That's not what the Second Amendment is. You know, and then their their head explodes and, you know, they talk about all the stuff and like, yeah, how about if you read what it says? Right. Because it will specifically tell you what it says in there. And then if you want to just be talking about the stuff that's in that's in the Bill of Rights, right? If you just want to talk about that stuff. Hold on one second. Let me turn that off. Does, are you hearing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, let me turn that off. I forgot to turn the, the air conditioner off. 
take you just a minute. Oh, no so, worries. Um, so anyway, that's the, that's the thing is that, is that when you, if you constantly talk about the bill of rights, right? Those, those first 10 amendments, if you talk about just that, you've left out the whole constitution and those amendments mean nothing if you don't understand the purpose of them, because the purpose of those amendments is to support the Constitution. They don't stand by themselves, right? These limits that were placed on Congress and and on you know the executive branch and the judicial branch, all of those things, you'll find the foundation of them, the, the reason for those amendments within the body of the Constitution. The Second Amendment is there to support what's in Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, where it tells Congress that you have to train and arm and discipline the militia. That's a requirement. Congress is required to make sure that we have a functioning militia. So the fact that they're not doing it means that every member of Congress who fails to try and or fails to, to uphold that requirement is a traitor. Couldn't you're committing treason. Couldn't you say that the army, the army, the air force, the navy, like you said, and the marines, couldn't that technically be a militia, but just with a different name? Nope, absolutely not. Because the the navy, the navy is something that is legally allowed under the constitution, and the navy has a particular function. The navy is supposed to be deployed constantly to make sure that our borders. That, that are that on the seas are protected and that our ships that sail from from the United States to other places are protected you know and the Marines are there in case you know we have some need to to take over another ship or to to uh, um, rescue sailors as happened in the um, what was it the Barbary Wars I can't remember the I think that was the name of it it was when Jefferson, sent the Marines over to, um, to fight with the Barbary pirates and we kicked the crap out of them. You know, that's the, that's in the, um, um, the Marine hymn. They talk about that and that's where they got the term leathernecks from, you know, they used to wear these, these heavy hardened leather collars to protect their necks from, these these uh the swords that those guys carried that's wild so mm-hmm. so i mean okay so how how would we go about and i know we talked about this many times how would we go about starting a militia a legitimate way without it one being considered a domestic ter- terrorist organization and two technically like you said it should be funded from I mean, I don't know, funded from the taxpayers, or it should be the government doing that. Are you saying like local government, like the, the governor of Missouri should have militias ready just in case type of thing? So how do, do I go to, to, to Mike Parsons and say, hey, man, I'm going to start a militia. I need you to fund it, and you need to make sure that we get this done? No, because then it's then it this is how they get around it is by Congress failing to uphold the requirements of the Constitution that they are, in fact, supposed to. Uh, fund and uh, discipline the militia by failing to uphold that responsibility. Now they've they've left it in your lap, and so if you begin to do that, then you're forming a private army. 
right? That's how that's technically how they do it, you know, to make it sound like you're doing something illegal, like you would be an outlaw band or something like that. <clears throat> when the truth is, is that is that as the people, we have the ultimate authority. All power that our government has comes from you and me. We the people. That's the that's the beginning of the Constitution. We the people. So uh, in order to form a more perfect union, right? So that's that's the whole thing right there. So I'm just the purpose of it. I'm just curious. So if I were to go into my local state, like whenever they're having their their, let's say their budget talks on where money's going to be spent and what what have you not, let's say I go in there, and I say, hey, well, I'm I'm Paul, and I'm from this this county, and we we do need some funds to 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 get this militia going or to we need the, these funds for the militia. So we can discipline and have them ready to go. Is that technically how that would work? I mean, within the within that writing that you described, the Congress funds it. That's the only way that I would go about doing it. That or or get a bunch of people together to to petition Congress or to to uh, write and call Congress and tell them we need money for the militia. You failed. You failed to fund the militia. You've sent all these arms over to Ukraine. But we have a militia that you're required to fund here. You know, and you can do that through your state legislature and tell your state legislature that that, you know, they need to get in touch with Congress and make sure that our representatives up there know that this needs to be brought to the floor and money needs to be appropriated for that specific purpose. Weapons, you know, um, uh, uniforms clothing, whatever, whatever that militia actually needs. And, you know, the great thing is, is that, is that when you're doing that, right, Congress is appropriating the money for that, but they got to send you a bill to get the money to pay for that, right? So in the end, you're going to sit there and look at it and go, yeah, you know what, I I don't think I want to pay Congress to do this, so we'll take care of it, but we got to get it started somewhere, right? And the first thing to do is you make Congress bow down and acknowledge the fact that this is their responsibility and that they have to do this. And once they do, now we've opened the door to start introducing everything else. Okay, you're supposed to take care of this. You're supposed to take care of that. You didn't do this. It's like, you know, dad just came home. He left you a list of stuff to do. Dad just came home and he walked through the door. He looked at the list. He looked at you and he goes, you didn't do anything. (laughs) <laughs> what are we going to do about this, Paul? You 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 didn't do anything that's on this list. What what are we going to do about this, Paul? Well, um, you know what? No, well, I'm not going to cut it, buddy. Well, if well, I if, guess I'll get on it right now. Yeah, you're damn right. You'll get on it right now. I just don't know how we get these types of conversations out to people in in ways for them to understand it. You know, I mean, because there is. I would. I I don't know what the percentage is. I would venture out to say probably less than ten percent. Maybe it's higher. Of people who actually feel this way and, and are tired of, of, of the political spectrum like we've talked about, and they truly want the Constitution for what it is, and for us to, to go back to that list of things we haven't been doing for such a long time. I know that there are people out there that really want that, but I, I honestly think, Dan, that the overwhelmingly majority of people don't, and they're completely okay with their their, comfort, their comfortabilities that the government has provided to them, right? I mean, Johnny always talks about, you know, just the amount of push that they, that they're willing to do because they know that they can push, push, push and never wake the bear type of situation. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're going to, they know how to poke it the right way 
and give us comforts, right? I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I just, when, whenever you have that type of situation or scenario where the overwhelmingly amount of people don't care, how do we get them to care? I'll tell you, I'll tell you one, one thing that'll get you to care is save up all your check stubs, all your paycheck stubs and add up the absolute amount of taxes that you pay just from your payroll over the course of a year. Uh, you don't even have to do it for a year. Just do it for six months. Add up how much money you pay to the government. You know, Medicare, Medicaid, FICA, income tax withholding, right? Just add all that up and, and really start paying attention to how much better you could spend that money and what benefit that money could be to you and how much benefit you actually get from the government, right? I mean... Really and truly, in my daily life, I get almost zero benefit for the money that I've paid out in taxes. None. You know, the roads. Okay, well, let's talk about the roads. All right. The roads, pretty much everywhere you go, are in terrible shape. Right. They're not built for, they're not built for what most of us would want to use. You know, they, they, the main the main roads that get you from here to your grocery store are not the ones that the government are concerned about. They're concerned about with these big highways, you know, the big main thoroughfares. All the rest of the all the rest of the roads, they don't care about. Yeah, right. And they don't even do a good job of taking care of the main thoroughfares and the highways. But that's where most people that's where most people travel. So that's the ones they put, you know, they put their attention to. And so everybody's like, well, you know. I'm going to complain about my neighborhood road. Yeah, well, there's only 16 people that use that road, so. Good luck. Right, right. But, I mean, if you really start looking at the value that you get for the money that you spend, you know, it's nothing, you know. And you and, and then start paying attention to how much money you pay in, in uh, fuel tax, in sales tax, in, in your vehicle tax. All these other different taxes that you're paying out. I think there's know? a there's a decent movement of people who who feel that way about taxes, but I don't think that the, the a lot of those people are willing to not willing to take it to the next level. But they're not willing to hear the the reason why. You know, taxation without representation. I mean, I think that's an easy way to look at it. But uh, I mean, they just see it and they just. I mean, you know, I'm a victim of it. I've just allowed it to happen. You know, I've always questioned it. Always wondered. Mm-hmm. Um, w- within my limited lifespan, but I think there's a lot of people out there who are like that, but then they just go on and they're like, this is just how it is. Like, this is just what it's going to be and that nothing's ever going to change. And I guess what I'm, I'm asking is how do we reach out to those people? And I know you gave a really good example on how to do that, but I, I just don't, I don't know, man, to me, I, it, it has to be something different and I'm not advocating for revolution or anything like that. I'm not asking for blood or I don't. It could be done peacefully. I mean, the Constitution is the Constitution. All you have to do is instate it, like you said, tomorrow, and a lot of things change pretty pretty quickly. But that, I guess, that's my biggest question: is just reaching out and letting people understand that they've been fooled and lied to their whole lives about what it is to be free here in America. And I think once we do that, then that I don't know, then that that's when it changes. But it, it, I, Dan, I don't think that people. I think they're just okay with the status quo, man. I think I think it's it's less that people are okay with the status quo, and more that people just don't think there's there's anything they can do about it. 
you know, I'm one person, what can I do? And, you know, I completely, I completely understand that, you know, because, because as one person, it's, it's hard to move this mountain, you know, but two people, three people, you know, if, if we could just get people to just start saying, you know what, I, I don't know what the solution is, but you know what, I, I think your idea is crazy, but you know, let's try it. Let's just see what happens. You know, what's the, what's the worst that can happen? No, no. Let's, let's all get together and send a letter to our congressman or something, or let's all, let's all say that, that, uh, we're going to send a letter to the IRS and, and inform them that income is wages, compensation, et cetera, are not income, you know, or, or demand a jury trial anytime that you go to court, you know, I mean, because we have, we have illegal court systems operating in in the united states and 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 i'm mentioning all this stuff because because you and i both know people who are right now being impacted by by some facet of the government in a negative way you know i'm sure that it wouldn't take you long to find somebody who's going through a divorce right now right which is a horrible thing but the the thing that makes it even worse is that the government has an illegal court system. The family court system is 100% illegal. The family court system is absolutely 100% illegal. And we're forced to use that against our will when jury trial is the only way that that can be handled. Right? It doesn't matter. It, It makes no difference what the judge says. Judges don't actually have any authority under our Constitution. The only, the only people that you could call judges that truly have authority under the Constitution sit on the Supreme Court. And the reason that there are so many justices on the Supreme Court is because it is a jury. It's a jury. You know, nothing is left to one person. So a single judge in a courtroom, his main function, his main duty there is shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's his whole duty. You know, the only thing that he needs to say anything to is, is, you know, Paul, Dan, listen, you two guys are in court right now because you couldn't solve this on your own. So stop talking to each other. Paul, you can say whatever you want to the jury, but don't talk to Dan. Dan, you can say whatever you want to the jury, but don't talk to Paul. Because the only reason that you guys are here is because you couldn't solve it on your own. Fair enough. And that's what his job is. He's not there to advise the jury. He's not there to instruct the jury. He's not there to interfere with the jury in any way, shape, or form. Doesn't have the authority to change the venue. Doesn't have the authority to advise them on what legislation says. Because the jury is the authority in the courtroom. Congress... State legislatures, local legislatures do not have the authority to introduce legislation that directs a jury on how to handle a case that comes before them. No, no, I know that's and that's that's right there. That's one of the things that, that is so powerful and amazing about the Constitution is when you actually stop and read it. Right. When you actually stop and read it and you look at it and you go wow, you know what, that's totally different than the way that, that 
we're doing things now and you don't have to agree with the way that I see it. You know, maybe you'll read it and you'll find that, that you see it in a different way, but just think about how much better the system would be if it was taken out of the hands of these brainless bureaucrats, you know, judges are just bureaucrats. They're not, they're not any, any more, um, they're not any more intellectually gifted than your average third grader. Yeah. You know, they're basically, they're basically just reciting what they've been told, exercising an authority that's been denied to them and doing everything that they can to keep you distracted from understanding that they're abusing you. Yeah. I think it was funny when Alex Jones was in, in court. Granted, he did have a jury trial, but the, I mean, the judge was very biased. Like, I mean, you, you yeah. look at her Facebook page and you see what type of person that she was. That wasn't the right person to be presiding over that court case, you know, or not with the, not with the authority that she was, that she was uh, wrongly and illegally exercising. Yeah. Right. You know, because again, her sole duty was shut the fuck up. Yep. She doesn't have anything else. Yeah. You know, her duty is just there to make sure that you and I have a free opportunity to present our case without interference. Right. This is, this is my case. Right. And the judge says, the judge says, Paul, but I see you want to say something. You sit there and be quiet, Paul. Dan's going to present his case. Right. And then you can come back later and you can say, you know, when you present your case, you can write this stuff down and you can say, okay, jury, I want you to understand something. Dan told you this, and that is, n that is not true. You know, what he told you is that this person will support what he said. I know this person and I'm going to bring them into court and they'll tell you that he lied. Right. Right. No, no, th that would definitely mean that's how it should be. And that's, I mean, the fact that we got away from that is, is outstanding to me. And it's, I don't know. I need to do some more research on that, read some books on, on, on when, you know, just that in general. I think that's very interesting. We've talked about it multiple times. It's very, very fascinating. Um, that well, first read the constitution. Yeah. Yeah. No, I take that. That's the, you know, that's the, that's the interesting thing is how many people, when you, when you start talking about the constitution, how many people, when, when I'm having a conversation with them, I'll say the constitution says this, well, actually I read this book that says that it's like, really? So, so I, telling you something that the constitution says and you're going to tell me about a book written by somebody else who's going to tell you right. that the constitution says yeah. something different than what i'm telling hey, you and i'm standing right here i own a copy man after the first time we had you on dude i, I went online i bought one so mm -hmm. I, I did read some of it and and i it, even within this conversation tonight i've thought about it and i'm like dude i just need to finish it i need to keep reading it and understand it more and put invest time into it because if these are the rules that I'm supposed to play by or whatever you want to call it, not the rules, but the amendments, the bill of rights and such, then I, then I need to understand what they are, you know, and, and, and also understanding what those words meant in those times as well, you know? Well, the, the thing too, to remember is that, that there are certain words in there that definitely had a different application at the time. Right. And some of them have fallen out of use. However, they tried to write that very simply. It's very simply written. So when you talk to an attorney, okay, 100% of the attorneys will lie to you about what the Constitution says. 100% of them. Because they have passed the bar. And the bar demands that they pay attention to the bar's rules and operate right. under the bar's rules, yep. not under the Constitution. 
right? Mm-hmm. The Constitution has completely separate rules. And when they start telling you what the what the Constitution um when they start telling you what the Constitution says, it's an interpretation of it that allows them to have an authority that's actually denied to them. Right. Right. They use all kinds of all kinds of double speak. Oh yeah, double speak, black laws, dictionary, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, man, we're getting close to the end of the hour. We might be over. I'm not sure, but um, the last thing that I just want to say, and then if you have any lasting thoughts, um, I'm not trying to be dismal anymore. I, you know, that's why I'm kind of taking a break away from politics. The reason I wanted to talk with the Constitution about you is because, again, it, how it should apply to us, I think, is very important. And trying to spread that that knowledge and that message to people is very important, and it needs to spread like wildfire, in my opinion. But like the greatest example for me to show and suggest why Americans don't care including myself, you know, I've talked about wanting to do more, getting involved in local politics, but I continue to come up with excuses and not do anything about it, right? Uh, Not knowing who my local representatives are and stuff like that. Now, I have done a little bit, but not not enough, man. But the the biggest example for me would be, um, as you look at when, when the trucker convoy happened in Canada and what type of powerful movement that was whenever their, their rights were being stripped away from them, and, uh-huh. and I know they took it a step further with gun legislation. I'm not entirely sure how that's going to work out in Canada, if there'll be any type of, of convoy like that. But that thing was massive, Dan. That convoy was huge. It was, uh, it was a big movement. It impacted a lot of people. And granted, I know it, the news shed a lot of light on it, which made it look even brighter than, it, than what it, maybe what it was. But I don't think you've ever seen anything like that in the United States when it came to human rights. You know, yeah. now, now I know there have been huge riots and huge peaceful protests um, when it comes to certain topics that have happened in America. You know, I'm not going to mention those things because I don't, you know what I'm saying? There have been big movements, but a movement like that where they're trying to force something on you, uh-huh. I've never seen something like that in my time in America, you know, living in America. Now, I know in the past with different types of revolutions and stuff like that in America, it's happened, but in my lifetime, it's never happened. And right. to see and, to see it happen in Canada, and then they tried to do the trucker convoy in the United States. And I don't think anything came of it. You know, I know they did travel. They came through Kansas City. I, it just wasn't as big. You know, no, it wasn't. And that and the thing the thing that's that's really really interested about this is that is that we've had a war against the Constitution for over a hundred years. There's there's been an all out war against the Constitution. And the reason that these these trucker convoys and all these different things are happening around the world is because of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. Those two documents are extremely powerful, and people read them around the around the rest of the world, and they are amazed. And they're like, yeah, we do have the power. The government doesn't have the power. The government is exercising my authority, and they're taking that to heart, and they're taking the action. And the reason that it's not working here is because, you know, the the um, the trucker convoy didn't work because the federal motor carriers, blah, 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 whatever it's called, that that's that's a, a an actual agency of the government that has control over all of these truckers. And they have squeezed and squeezed and squeezed until the main part of the trucking industry now is mega carriers. 
So if my employer tells me that I can't take the truck wherever I'm going to go, I'm risking my job, right? So most people aren't going to do it, but the independent truckers will do it. But they make up they make up a a vanishing fraction, you know this 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 the amount of independent truckers that are out there, they're it, they're so much smaller than the the number of employees that are that are driving trucks. So it's 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 one of those things where That's where it, that makes it even more dismal, Dan. <laughs> Well, well, the, yeah, it does. It does. But I'm going to tell you something that I'm going to tell you something that that brings it full circle and will, you know, turn that red pill into something that's a happy pill instead of instead of a dismal pill. Um, if you if you read the Constitution and you really and you really look at it, it's been one of those things that that the more I look into it and the more I study it, the more encouraged I am that there are actually tools for us to turn this around. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, there's really and truly, there are tools at our disposal. If we will just use them, there are tools at our disposal that are right there, written in black and white, right? That we can read and understand and apply that will make a change. The federal motor carriers thing is illegal. The FDA is illegal. You know, the FBI is illegal. The USDA is illegal. 99% of the stuff that Congress does is illegal. Almost everything that the president, the retard president does is illegal. You know, all of those things. And and as you begin to look at that and, and pay attention to those things, there's tools in there that we can use to make all that stop. You know, just like what I was saying before, dad came home. That's all that has to happen. We just have to stand up and say, guess what? I'm home. You guys didn't do what you were supposed to do. And now you're going to pay for it. Yeah. like That's kind of the, that's kind of the spot that, that we're in because more and more of these politicians are realizing that the, that the, the path that they've been on is illegal. They've jumped through all these hoops to get to this political office. And now they're seeing that they're having to sell their souls. And some of them are not willing to do that. There's plenty that still do, but there's, there's more and more of them that are saying, no, I'm not going to do that. Like that. Um, what's that? What's her name? Marjorie green. Mm -hmm. You've heard of her. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's, she's standing up. I'm not saying that she's, I'm not saying that she's a, you know, a hundred percent Patriot constitution follower or anything like that. I don't, I just see her periodically, but she's doing something right. So there's more and more people that are paying attention. And if we'll start reading that constitution and paying attention to the tools that are in there and it's not in those tools are not in, well, some of them are the, the main part of the tools are in the body of the constitution and not in the bill of rights. Right. You know, it's like, it's like the, the bill of rights, the bill of rights are those, are those tools that, that, you know, the master carpenter uses. Once he's already learned how to, to do all this other stuff, now he's got these extra tools over here that help him do the job even better. Right. right. And that's what the thing is with the with the Bill of Rights. Those things are there to support the Constitution. And that's why the conversation always stays on the Bill of Rights. So you never read the Constitution. That's why we have the argument about the Second Amendment. You know, 
The second amendment is for hunting. The second amendment is for this. The second amendment is so we can overthrow a tyrannical government. No, it's not. Second amendment is there, you know, specifically so that we can be sure that each and every one of us has the arms necessary so that the militia, if it's ever called up to duty, has the, the arms necessary to do whatever job they're asked to do, whether it's defend the borders whether it's, you know, hunt down a, a convicted criminal, whatever that happens to be. Does that make sense? hundred percent it does. And it really is. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I found it very encouraging because like I said, I went through a dismal, a dismal period with all of this stuff. You know, it just seemed, it just seemed, you know, hopeless and pointless. And I, and I really read it and I could see that there are real tools in there for us to rein the government in and, and eliminate all the stuff that's going on. I mean, we're not going to get our money back, but we sure as hell can take all of these crooked politicians and kick them out of the country. Yeah. One step at that's a time. Legal. <laughs> yeah, that's legal. We can just, we can just have a trial for them, put them on trial. And, uh, you know, if we try them for treason, we can just do away with them completely. But, you know, if we don't want to go that far, we can always just send them someplace else and say, sayonara. We yep. don't need you here. <laughs> put them on a plane to Russia, see what happens. That's right. Put them on a plane to Russia or put them on a plane to Liberia. Put them on a plane to Tasmania. Let them deal with Tasmanian devils for the rest of their life. Right. Rock on, man. <laughs> we'll leave it at that, Dan. I appreciate you, man, coming on on such short notice. It's always a pleasure to have you on, my man. It's always a pleasure to be here, Paul. I love talking to you guys. Rock on, man. Even leave. when it's just me and you. Hey, I'm right there with you, man. I love it. I appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks a bunch. I hope you have a good night. You too, my man. We'll see you later.